Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday night segment of The Outer Realm. We're broadcasting live here on the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee, who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much and could not do it without you. Also, big thank you to Dr. Snick, a.k.a. Justin Sticker, the sonic surgeon, for his contribution of his voice and his music. You can find him anywhere that good music can be found and check him out. He is an award-winning composer of Halloween horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music. So definitely check him out. Definitely worth it. <laughs> also, artwork by Steve McGinnis. Thank you. You see the banners? Steve McGinnis does a lot of custom work. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram and has a lot of amazing stuff that you can just pluck and go so thank you steve mcginnis tonight we welcome for the very first time vicky joy anderson who's going to be discussing her research on sleep paralysis and her book they only come out at night exposing the dark weapon of sleep paralysis never quite heard of that way before <clears throat> so i definitely have no doubt it's going to be interesting um so if you guys want to tune in and get into the chat um to mingle with ourselves and our guests you're going to have to go on let's check out tonight's platforms facebook news on the flip side ufo paranormal radio network united public radio canada's most haunted and the outer realm then you can head over to youtube for the outer realm radio again ufo paranormal radio and ufo gods and extraterrestrials that's a mouthful right there just saying so hello we're <laughs> chiming in. Hello. Chiming in. Oh my God, is it Monday? Somebody made no, me sick. That's all I'm going to say. It feels like Monday. <laughs> like I said, somebody made me sick. Leaving it there. We wouldn't be here <laughs> if it was Monday. But hello. Oh, I love hey, the Stevie No Wonder handle. <laughs> Dynamic that duo. Is thank you. So adorable. Our kids, right <laughs> our kids are at the dry cleaners, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, was it me? I know it wasn't no, you. It wasn't, like, it wasn't <laughs> it was me. I haven't seen you. Maybe feet tall <laughs> with yeah. a whole lot of charisma. <laughs> yeah, those little ones. You got to watch those little short guys. I know it's true. They just look at you so cute and go, and you're oh, like, oh, hi, come Steve. here. <laughs> how's the How's the weather on the east coast of Canada? You're You're probably an hour ahead of us right now. It must be ten thirteen there. Yep. Thank yep. you Hello, for joining Australia. us, Australia. Wow, oh, thank you, Stevie. No wonder. I know. Oh, bon appetit. I love it. I love it. Lunchtime. Wow, there's oh, that much of a time difference. I didn't realize it was that <clears throat> far ahead. Oh, yeah, 16 so, hours. My daughter lived in Australia. So it's was literally Thursday. myself. Yeah, it's yeah. literally Thursday there. Okay. Mm -hmm. It cool. is. And it's almost summer for you guys, right, Stevie? Almost summer. It is. 
Oh, yeah. Sorry, computer's doing a thing of its own. Australia looks so beautiful. Um, it is. It is. Yeah, it looks beautiful. My daughter loved it and used to send pictures all the time. I'm sitting in the wintertime going, thank you. This is lovely. Thank you. Yeah. The behemoth spiders. I, had I to can send do without your, your puppy-sized spiders. Zapper. I can do without those. Zapper. <laughs> Need a bat. <laughs> I sent her, yeah, I sent her one of those like little badminton <clears throat> racket things. It's a bug zapper. And she goes, you haven't seen these things. It's tied on the end of a freaking broom. If it comes at you, just pop it up. Yeah. I think she left it behind when she went because her roommates were just like, you're not taking that back with you. Oh, wow. <laughs> we leave that thing here with I us. Guess they, do, do those bite? I don't know. I don't I think don't so. Know. Those ones that crawl on the sides of the houses and they're, they're like they're the big. size of a small car. That's all I'm going to say. Is or is just... that Arizona? I think that's Arizona. Behemoths. That's all I'm going to say. Big, big. Is, is big. it Australia or New Zealand that has those spiders that come from the sky? I didn't want to know about a spider that comes from the sky. No, they <laughs> literally, there's you, a time of year. Maybe Stephen can let us know. There's a time of year to... <laughs> That the spider webs just cover everything and they're literally coming from everywhere. These spiders, I believe it's there. Treat for me to see you pop up on my lunch break. Normally listen on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank Not you. spiders from the sky, but like a lot of spiders. I don't know. There's a place. I don't know if it's Australia. Um, forgive me if it's not. I'm not sure where it is, but it literally, I've seen photographs of it where there's just blankets of web on if there is a everything. There's a spider that comes from the sky. I don't want to know. I'm just <laughs> that's that's apparently our next big thing. Yeah, the next lockdown, Godzilla, Godzilla. <laughs> no, <laughs> anyway, our guest has arrived. So if you want to stay yes, where in there, let me get in there. I've been so looking forward to her. I will start off with what she sent us here. Um, I found this really fast, fast, fascinating. <laughs> Sorry to sound like Joe. Um, online statistic estimates anywhere from 17 to 50 percent of the population has reported experiencing sleep paralysis at least once in their lifetime most people describe the experience as terrifying and attribute it to some sort of paranormal or demonic experience but what most sufferers of sleep paralysis really want to know is what is it really really what is it why are these entities targeting me and how can I stop it? Vicki Joy Anderson graduated from University of Northwestern in St. Paul, Minnesota, majoring in Bible and English with a writing emphasis. After many years in corporate management, Vicki Joy stepped out in faith to become a full-time author and speaker in 2019. Her book is called They Only Come Out at Night, Exposing the Dark Weapon of Sleep Paralysis. Please welcome Vicki Joy Anderson to the show. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Hi, how are Hello. you? With you. You know, of the of the zillions of shows I've done, I think this is the first time I've done a show where it's all ladies. Ooh, oh, very that's nice. good We're to gonna hear. Have so much fun. <laughs> that, that means you'll have lots of chance and opportunity to speak. <laughs> I know it's going to be pretty tight. It could be tight, but you know, our biggest compliment is people say we've been on the show. They're like. God, you guys are just so much fun because it's so round table. Like we're like, I know, right? We're just like, we're hilarious. I yeah. love that. I love that, especially with like a topic as dark as sleep paralysis. When you yeah. get on shows and you're talking about it hours and hours and hours a week, it's like, 
oh, you know, it's just so heavy. And so when I can get mm -hmm. on a show and there's a little bit of levity to it, it's it's so it's such a relief because it can get pretty heavy. I agree with constantly you constantly talking about it because you know, some of this stuff can get pretty dark. So, well, it's like when we talk about paranormal and demonic, it, it's it's a heavy one. We like to follow it up with something lighter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. And, and sleep paralysis is linked to a lot of that. Um, but what, I, what I'll do is back up for a minute and ask you, like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> First off, why sleep paralysis? And then you can get into what it is. But, you know, did you have a lot of experiences with this as a child? I know it's only happened to me twice. It's terrifying. It is. It is. It's, exa <clears throat> it's exhausting. And I think what people don't realize is there's a real physical and um, mental kind of element to it. But I don't think people realize that when you have this a lot, there is just an emotional drain to it and a spiritual drain to it. To a lot of people for the whole next day, if not the next couple of days, they'll feel oppressed or they'll feel depressed or they'll be tired or lethargic or they'll have a, a headache. And I mean, there's it, it just kind of sucks the life out of you, quite mm -hmm. literally, right? Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, Michelle, yeah, I had it. Um, my first memory of it is four years old, but there are other unrelated memories to it that I have prior to that that makes me think that mm. it was probably going on before then as well. So um, my first memory of it was four years old. And I like to tell people that there are many people that had experiences a thousand times more wild and imaginative and frightening than mine. Mm -hmm. Mine were kind of boring uh, by by comparison they were kind of just like the classic uh sleep paralysis experience but with me it was so often that it just it could just beat you down and so it it went from mm. three to about 40 three years old to about oh, 40. Wow. oh yeah. that's a long haul that's almost unheard of it was a, a long, lifetime oh gosh it was a long haul and um what what it my light was what was exhausting so. about it is just that it, it wasn't just like once a year or if i mm -hmm. was having a stressful time it was once you had it like and a lot of people report this once you have it once you can have it like two three four days in a row and um you know the science and they they kind of explain that away like well you're kind of becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you go to bed frightened mm -hmm. about it you're working yourself up and you're you're kind of just then like preparing the way for it but uh, i thought this was just me but i've talked to other people now they'll say it's the darndest thing and it's almost mm. like part of the taunt is you'll be getting ready for bed and this little thought will flicker through your head tonight's the night and you're like oh and you just you run cold like your blood runs cold like you just you know it's almost mm. like they forewarn you to just get more bang for their buck like let's get started scaring them before it even starts right wow <laughs> yeah it's i i can't imagine um the you know how you had to go through that because it's happened to me twice and realistically once was at night <clears throat> caught me off guard and the other was like five months later i was having a nap during the day which i never do and i <sighs> fell into this really deep sleep yeah and all of a sudden i open my eyes i can't move and i'm just like Okay. 
Yeah. I don't think so. There's I, not enough room in here for the two of us, and I'm not the one leaving. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, Hail Mary's everything was flying both times. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I like, hear you there. I hear there. And it's funny. I, I like to tease people like, hey, I know the titles. They only come out at night, but the title should be, they come out whenever they darn please. And the nap ones are the worst because usually when you take a nap it's because you're absolutely at the end of your rope you're mm -hmm. you're jet lagged or you're stressed or it's the first time you've gotten in weeks to just crash mm -hmm. and when you're in that deep deep sleep mm. you're so vulnerable when you're in that deep it deep caught sleep. me off guard like i said i don't usually nap but i mean this was much later in life like not yes. that many years ago and the first time it happens i was actually i'm known to be very strong-willed but yeah. but i actually you know, made myself sit up and I was able to move around like at first. So I had a clock up on the ceiling, a projection, and I'm looking at it. It feels like forever. I'm sure you'll attest to that. But realistically, it was only maybe at the most, like not even quite a minute. And I forced myself up. And in the meantime, I'm just like bawling out whatever the heck it is. I'm like, <laughs> on my head because you can't move your mouth or anything. And, you know, I was looking at my husband at the time, like, oh, like, like, why do you not see what's going on with me here? He was like, I'm cold. And I'm just like, okay, this is a problem because, like, nobody's aware. Yeah. It's like, and it's like you're a silent victim here. Absolutely. And what I've noticed is nine times out of 10, it will only happen if you're alone. So even if you're making noise and riding oh. around, people can't get you, <clears throat> like, can't help you. But then, uh, there are people that report having it, you know, with a spouse there or whatever. And they'll say like, why didn't you wake me up? And it's like, they just conk out like a log through the whole thing. And I want to just hammer them. Like, yeah. So it's almost like, like <laughs> it's almost like they're a part of it too. But the how, how they're being influenced is they're being yeah. knocked out. But occasionally, yeah. every once in a while, you will hear, hear a story about how a spouse will wake up and will shake them awake. But, but it's very rare. Usually right. you're in it by yourself <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's for sure so why don't we get into the technical part of sleep paralysis what sure. is it and why does it happen yep absolutely one of the reasons i wanted to write the book was because i wanted a book that explored all aspects of it because what happens is you get a scientific or a medical explanation and they absolutely refuse to acknowledge anything supernatural and then you get a more like churchy explanation and every single thing is it's a demon, it's a demon, it's a demon. And there's really a combination of a lot of different things going on. Um, so from a physiological standpoint, you are in an altered state of consciousness because sleep paralysis can happen in an altered state of consciousness. It doesn't have to be as you're going in and out of sleep or a certain sleep phase. Mm -hmm. It can be anytime, you know, it can be a psychedelic, it can be anesthesia, you know, coming out of I had one experience in a surgery um, going into anesthesia, uh, ironically, where I had a, an experience. And I, I have heard other people tell anesthesia stories, interestingly. Hmm. Um, but it can be, you know, uh, drugs or psychotropic drugs or sleep medications. It can be, you know, obviously the things we've heard about, like ayahuasca. Those are obviously these hmm. spiritual journeys. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't just have to be during during sleep. But what during the sleep paralysis what I think is that, yes, I do think that there's something supernatural. I do think that there's a spiritual realm involved. I do believe that it, it is demonic. However, the part where we can't move, that is just 
capitalizing on opportune timing. Everybody has sleep paralysis every night. There's mm. certain levels of sleep where our body goes into stasis. It's a protective measure. It keeps us from uh, acting out our dreams, from kicking or thrashing people in our bed or falling out of bed or sleepwalking into traffic or peeing the bed even, right? These are paralytic type of functions. And it's there to protect us that while we're asleep, we stay put. <laughs> so what happens is these visitations occur during that stage of sleep. So mm. what what becomes terrifying is when you're laying there it, and there's, especially if you can visualize, if you can see an entity on you, like people will say they see things sitting on their chest and the old hag and things like that. So it becomes terrifying when it looks like the reason you can't move is because this entity is like, has some sort of effect on you. I always think of, um, the Stephen King movie, Salem's Lot, because I think it did such an excellent job of showing without words how these the, the vampires with their eyes would would hypnotize them. And they as soon as you made eye contact with them, you were kind of like in their grip. Right. Right. So it, it, it's like that, you know, you have this experience. And if you actually think this thing has power over me right now, it becomes even more scary. And then you try to move and you try to scream and it looks like they have power over you. But it's kind of smoke and mirrors. They mm. are capitalizing on the most opportune timing. You're already paralyzed. You're already, in many cases, deeply asleep. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have this means of moving or screaming or crying out. But it's really that part of it is purely physiological. And your, your body is not enabling you to move because you are in a deep, deep sleep cycle. And I think that's what one of the myths are mm. that, that you are awake because people, a lot of people report seeing their room and they see this thing standing by the door. And I think what confuses people is because they can see their surroundings, they believe that their eyes are open and they believe that they're awake. But I, I don't believe that that's what's going on. And the reason why I say that is, you know, if sleep paralysis happens to you once or twice, you're caught off guard, which that was a perfect way of saying it. You're caught off guard. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what's happening to you, much less how to get out of the situation. And so you are in a survival mode at that moment. You're mm -hmm. not observing and Fight taking notes. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> when this kind of thing like me happens to you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and you're a curious person like I am, and you're a spiritual person like I am, you start creating hypotheses like, well, am I really asleep or am I, am I awake? And then you start looking for details. Like the next time it happens, even though you are working mm -hmm. to get yourself out of it, you are looking for details and you're testing your hypotheses. And so I would do things like I would sleep with a sleep mask on to mm -hmm. see, can I still see my room if, if this is happening and things like that. And this is another advantage to, uh, uh, it's an advantage to these entities that this happens when we're by ourselves. So we can't say, um, when, when you when you came across me doing this, were my eyes open? Or, like, there's not a lot, there's not someone else observing mm. it to correct us if our, if our theory is wrong. You, you can only go by, like, for example, I forced my eyes open and I had to force them open. But once they were open, I got myself up. I was awake. I didn't yes. fall back asleep. So it doesn't feel like the traditional... I'm just not able to move until I'm move that finger, you know, yes. just get yourself. So 
Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't Absolutely. rely on the person beside me because even though he was there, it was completely useless to me. Yeah. <laughs> Still <laughs> is. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Can I just yeah, interject this one? <laughs> Can I interject for a second? Um, Vicky, I don't know if, you, if you're going to talk about this because this leads into different things that happen. And if you wear a mask, I um, heard that if you write if this is happening to you a lot and you write a set of numbers and paste them to like tape them not paste them tape them to your ceiling and when you open your eyes if they're blurry you're dreaming hmm. if they're clear you're awake fascinating i have never heard that that yeah. is exciting i'm going to look into that yeah. um what what i would do is you know and i love this in the movie inception you know how he had that little spinner he'd had that little top Mm -hmm. And that was how he could tell whether or not he was in the real reality or yes, not. And, or the matrix. Yeah. yeah. So um, what I would, what I do is one of the reasons I know now that I'm in a deep sleep or I'm in the astral realm or something, I'm not really in my room is one mm -hmm. thing that I started to notice. And it took me years to notice this. There's always one thing in my room that's off. There's a window oh, there that's not there. Yes. Yeah, or yeah. I'm in the dream. I'm kind of getting up and, and there's like, uh, like the most recent one is there were long like mirrors hanging on my wall that aren't there in real life. And mm -hmm. sometimes like the bedroom door is on the wrong wall. And mm -hmm. this gets into to your point, the matrix, that that black cat, the glitch in the mm -hmm. matrix. There's always a glitch. And I don't know if there's some sort of like law there, like some sort of spiritual law where they have mm -hmm. to give they have to give us a way to tell or right. if it's something technological and they the technology is just not up to par yet i'm not right. sure right but what i do instead of like the numbers is i i quickly scan the room and if i see something that i know isn't really in my surroundings i'm like then okay you know. i am i am in a dream and most people that have a lot of sleep paralysis experiences they also are typically lucid dreamers even if they're not having sleep paralysis they tend to kind of know when they're dreaming and yeah they can, they can, lucid dreamer yeah they time. interact with themselves so 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 yeah but i love that that concept about the numbers i'm going to look yeah, into that problem i i saw it actually on tv but um it kind of threw me i i thought oh my god that's so true because i i lucid dream and i have a lot of control usually Mm -hmm. But I remember in the days of when you had a clock radio, right? It yes. was a digital number. And often I wouldn't be able to see it. I wouldn't be able to read the numbers. But normally I can give okay. numbers like no tomorrow, whether it's in my visions, my viewing or my mm. dreams. Yeah, I'm really good with numbers. So it's one of my strengths, which would throw me when I wouldn't, I would, and I'd be frustrated in the dream going, what time is it? What time is it? And looking and all I would see mm. is a blur where the clock radio was yeah mm -hmm. interesting yeah, yeah but i don't i don't recall the way michelle does of ever waking up that i don't believe i've ever had that experience mm. Mm. yeah you know like it's funny because like a lot of these two are kind of dream within a dream things where um you're having like sleep paralysis but you're dreaming that you're having it and then you're like, oh, crap, I'm having sleep paralysis and then you wake up and you're like, oh, thank god and then you realize you are still dreaming and mm -hmm. So what's crazy about it is you don't always know in the dream when you're really awake, but when you are really awake, you do know it. All of a sudden you're like, 
okay, I absolutely know now that I am awake. And so mm. you do have this um, uncanny ability. It, it, so if you can, once you know what the I am really awake feels like, you can start to get better in the dream within the dream ones to like, I really wish I was awake right now, but I know I'm not. And so you have to keep, you know, pressing mm. on, to, you know, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes the harder you fight to wake up, the longer it is going to take. It's not something because a lot of people, our instinct is to move our body, is to thrash, it's to move. And um, it has to be it, slowly. It has to be That's slow, right. intentional movements. Yeah. And it has to, it's very much in the mind. It's not mm. the body. So you have to say, like I am asleep right now. And then you, you'll you set like a little goal, you know? And so you'll say, I'm going to just like touch my nightstand. And it's, it's mm -hmm. very slow. It's, it's like going through plasma mm -hmm. or mud and, and it's vibrational. You can, you know, kind of like what you're saying with the, with the clock numbers being smeared, you know, you're in this other realm because there's like vibrational. Sometimes it's like an echo. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, it's like, pulsating so like when you're moving there's like a like like you can mm -hmm. almost like hear like your you're movements. going through water like a wave like you're in yes, jello exactly and you're trying to move through it right yeah. yeah i talked myself through it i said no just move your finger i start off just open your eyes talk myself through it but i was basically also like going after whatever being you know medium i could feel something yeah and i'm just like oh we're gonna do this are we <laughs> i'm just <laughs> i'm just sassing and That's at the scary. same time i'm like open your eyes open your eyes and then it was just i felt like it took forever but i was able to do it um i'm going to just bring up some comments before we get too far sure. behind yeah Absolutely. there's um, a few I'll start That's with frightening with michelle <laughs> uh stevie no wonder i just love that uh is it another state of spiritual conscience I always wonder if it's just being stuck in the deep sleep and REM. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And yeah, I love that screen name. That's hilarious. Um, right. <laughs> it's in Australia. I, oh, okay. Um, I think that there's more than one answer. And I think this is why it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And if you had asked me this, you know, 20 years ago, I would have said, it's just a dream because I hadn't figured it out yet either. Mm -hmm. And then I would have said like, well, no, it's a really intense kind of nightmare. And, but then I would have said, um, you know, maybe it's like a deep sleep glitch, you know, and I do think there is such thing as deep sleep glitches. And I think that there's dreams that are very, very realistic and very powerful. And, and so I do think that in some cases I've had this experience where I have just had a dream about sleep paralysis. It's not the same thing. You're literally kind of an observer and you're watching yourself in this dream, mm -hmm. like having sleep paralysis. And it's almost like you're coaching yourself, like, Vic, you're asleep. Don't worry about it, man. Like, <laughs> it's just a dream. And it's yeah. not as scary. So I think like you can be in a deep state of REM or, or Delta or Theta and, and the transition between them. Um, I also think though, that in some cases you are in the astral and sometimes you'll know it and sometimes you won't. And sometimes you'll remember it and sometimes you won't. And mm -hmm. that kind of gets into the some of the similarities with the uh, UFO abductions um, is I think in some cases, sleep paralysis is an abduction scenario mm -hmm. for some people. Yeah. They're getting pulled into the astral <laughs> and they might never figure it out because they don't remember when they wake up, just like the UFO abductees. They, they don't have a remembrance. And unlike... Um, the people, the, the UFO experiencers, they have the advantage of, I don't remember what happened, but I know something did happen because I have missing time. Whereas mm -hmm. 
the the beauty in in sleep paralysis for these entities is you don't wake up and have a sense of missing time because we go to bed for hours and hours. So when we wake up mm -hmm. and hours have passed, we don't, we don't, you don't question know. it. Can't, you don't know. There's no clue. Right. 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 So I do think sometimes it's the astral. Now here's where it gets really kooky. And I would love to write a book on this too, but I need tons of research. I am starting to experience and speak to people who have sleep paralysis and they do not express the terror they don't talk about shadow people or I can't breathe or I, I'm being strangled or I'm being raped. There's nothing scary about mm -hmm. it. And it's deep in a dream realm. And a lot of times they will talk about how the time continuum is off. Like everyone's dressed like in the 1980s mm. or something. Sometimes people that they're interacting with uh, see them and sometimes they're like observing. It's like they're there and they're observing all this, but the people can't see them. And I, I've been talking now to a few people. And it's interesting because the first few people that I talked to who were explaining this, I was connecting the dots that more people were talking about this, but I could not get my brain around what they were talking about. And I actually would just, I just prayed, you know, test every spirit to see whether it's from God. So I prayed and I just said, you know, God, I really want to be able to relate to these people so I can help them because these people are tormented when the ones that are going through this and I can't even get a, my mind around it. And like cognitive dissonance is taking effect, you know, like, well, you're like, well, maybe this person's just crazy. Maybe they're on drugs. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I am never going to do that to a person because that's the whole reason I had to write a book on sleep paralysis because that's the way people with sleep paralysis mm -hmm. get treated. <laughs> Right, right. And so I had an experience recently. In fact, it was, it was, you know, on All Hallows Eve at Samhain this year, like how cliche, right? But mm -hmm. the, I had this sleep paralysis experience. It was nothing like any sleep paralysis experience I'd ever had. So to answer your question, Stevie, no wonder, I think now that there's another category. Uh, and I don't know what it's called. I don't know if it's a metaverse. I don't know if it's a parallel universe. I don't multiverse. know if it's I don't, yeah, multiverse. I don't know yeah. if it's the upside down, but it's a place very similar to the, some of the scenes that you would see in Nightmare on Elm Street or in Stranger oh. Things. It's this, it, mm. look, it looks just like my house mm. and I'm getting up and I'm walking around my house, but the colors are off. Right. The people I'm interacting with look a little weird and, mm -hmm. and, I, I think that there might be some truth in plain sight going on with Stranger Things, and I haven't quite figured it out yet. So uh, I can connect you with somebody who can tell you all about it. Okay, I, I would definitely. <laughs> it's like claims it's a story of her life, actually. I, I've been hearing <clears throat> only a handful now so far, but um, after mm -hmm. I had the experience, it was like, that is what they're talking about. Now I, and I just wanted clarity so that I could, Mm -hmm. empathize and, and relate, you know, but uh, it's very fascinating. So to answer the question, I think that it can be deep sleep glitches. I think it can be induced by you know, like just dreaming that is affected by high levels of stress or trauma mm -hmm. or unprocessed mm -hmm. trauma. But I think it can be astral. But now I think that there's probably something more uh, technological going on as well. I think it would know, be almost like the ET part of things. Okay, we're going to go to someone in Facebook now, then we're going to come back to some other 
just as we go along so we can keep up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sue so Lawrence. Hi, Sue. The night that my partner passed away, I'm so sorry. So um, I experienced a paralysis. I could absolutely not move for hours. And he came to me at the end of my bed. It was a life altering experience. I do see spirit. So it didn't freak me out. But I have never had sleep paralysis like that ever. It's mm, frightening. Oh, that must have been so mm -hmm. emotionally difficult. I would have oh. wanted to reach out and bring them in. Yeah. Mm, yeah. For I have hours. heard. Is that even possible? I, I have heard one other story where it was ours and it wasn't. Um, I don't think that he saw an entity or anything. And he, it was terrifying, <laughs> though. For him, it was terrifying. And he yeah. wrestled with this thing for he says all night mm. and that is extremely rare uh the average sleep paralysis event takes place it's about 10 minutes it feels longer mm. than that but yeah, that's the yeah. average so it, it can fall outside of it can be shorter it can be longer mm. but i i do think that um the spiritual realm they have i, I don't think it's one of these things like they have a window of time, you know, like it. And, you know, if the window closes, they, you know, the, it, the it's fade to black. Right. So mm -hmm. um, I absolutely do believe that there are people that have had these experiences for a lot longer. Usually when I hear sleep paralysis stories that are extreme, you know, they're extreme cases, they're more terrifying or there's more entities or there's more of a visualization or, mm -hmm. Um, they're longer like this. Usually when you continue the, the session or the interview long enough, you will find something there where the doors have wittingly or unwittingly been open. Because a lot of people open these doors on purpose. They're, they explore the astral realm and, you know, they're, they're doing these sort of things. But then there's, you know, people who are, you know, who are, who are who are brought into these situations against their will you know they might be from a ritualistic background or something like that where these entities have been assigned and um yes married to them and i also find that there's more severe cases when someone has a soul tie or a spirit bride in that case those things those entities are excruciatingly jealous and mm. so in real life, if you get involved with a real partner or, you know, you're, you're married or something, uh, those people will report just horrendous abuse and uh, extreme situations. And it's really this, um, this covenant that has been made um, is being broken. And it's uh, the, these entities, this, the spirit spouse entities are extremely jealous and retaliatory. Can you explain what a spirit spouse is? Yeah. So, it, you know, here Thank in America, you. if you said something like that, the average person would be skeptical and, you know, try going into a church and explaining that to your pastor. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh. there's just no I way. talk to dead people. I have lots of conversations with my friends. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. talk to anybody. But yeah, so, I understand your point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They talk about it very openly in in Africa. It's just it's just a normal like they they could they could tell you all about it over there. And in some cases, 
in in other countries that are more kind of open to uh, alternative spiritualities or generational Satanism families mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's a very intentional, it's a ritual and it's mm-hmm. sometimes done in the womb and sometimes it's done at birth or sometimes it's done at eight years old. And, mm-hmm. and it is a, it is a literal betrothal covenant between uh, a woman and uh, an entity of some kind. And it is a binding covenant. And that, that covenant is usually, um, bound up in the astral. This is why I think a lot of times when people have the abduction scenarios, I think a lot of times what's happening up in the astral is, are these spirit spouse ceremonies, these betrothal covenants, and they come back into their, you know, they wake up the next day and, you know, they have no memory of what's happened, but then there's all of this phenomenon then in their life. Like a lot of people in this scenario will report every relationship they're in is utterly sabotaged and it's usually like bizarre ways and, and they, they have horrible issues in, you know, if they do end up getting married, there's all sorts of, of issues and uh, conception issues. And, and, and there's, there has to be a lot of things at play here. So like if, if you fight with your husband or you're having trouble having a baby, don't jump to the conclusion that I've never even heard of this. This is really interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is crazy. And and so I do think that um, what what I try to counsel people on, and so th- this is kind of the conversation I have to have with the the Christian side of things, you know, because I do, because the book, in the book, I do talk about the, the physiological, but I also talk about the biblical. I like to explore the biblical side of it, but it's a real hard sell with the church because the the supernatural has been completely stripped out of Christianity, even oh, yeah. though I think yeah. that the Bible is an excruciatingly supernatural book. But oh, it is, especially <laughs> the Old Testament. I know, right? Yeah, and so, alien abduction, man, it's all there. <laughs> absolutely, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, Christians don't like to use words like divination mm-hmm. and uh, zodiac and things like that. And if you go back far <laughs> enough in antiquity, they didn't use those words necessarily. They would use words like the Maseroth and, and different yes. words, but it was very right. much what was going on. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it was more, it, that's where you get into the arguments of supernatural versus preternatural. So mm-hmm. the, the gifts and the, the results and the, the, it's the same, but it's, it's a different source. So in preternatural, you know, it's the dark force and the supernatural, you know, God, but it's a real hard sell with Christians because what, what you have to try to explain to them is not that there's not accountability. I mean, sometimes if our life is a mess, we do have to take a look at what we've done, but um, to try to explain that, okay, I, I am absolutely not saying that there's not power in the name of Jesus. I get that. I'm not mocking that or coming down on that. But what's sort of become um, universal knowledge now, whether you are religious or not, I mean, even atheists and Buddhists and Muslims and New Agers mm-hmm. will tell you, if you cry out on the name of Jesus, it'll stop. And so what's happening now, and this is what I need to explain to, to church people, is this idea that... I call on the name of Jesus and the episode stops. And so everything's fine now and I'm good is really a misnomer because the, the, that particular episode might've been put to an abrupt end when you called out on the name of Jesus. But if the sleep paralysis episode that you remember is actually the tail end 
of an astral experience as you're coming back into consciousness. Like that's not the beginning, that's the end mm -hmm. of it. And you have no memory of what you just did in the astral. You have no memory if there was a covenant being made or if there was a spirit spouse ritual or like if you, that's great. You call on the name of Jesus and it ends and, and that's great. But what I, what I try to explain, especially to, to the Christians that I talk to is you have to examine if there is a whole bunch of stuff that happened before it ended that you might need to, to deal with because those mm -hmm. covenants are extremely difficult to get out of if you don't even know that you have entered into it. And that's just that I think you just have to sort of reach into the ether. And if you can catch a hint of it, then you can, especially because you didn't make that decision yourself, it goes against free will. Like I'm not religious in any way, shape or form. I'm more spiritual, pretty much Gnostic for the most part. <laughs> but, but, you know, again, it goes against your free will. Mm -hmm. And since you were bestowed, Christians would say, well, we have free will. Then that goes against your free will. You should be able to undo that if you can recognize that. Absolutely. You can undo it. And that's the key. You have to recognize it. And so mm -hmm. that's why I think it, it's just a brilliant move on, on behalf of, of the other side, right? Mm -hmm. that, that Christians have now been taught to be terrified of anything unusual or supernatural because mm -hmm. those things are happening to to Christians, whether they like it or believe in it or not. And so if you have no knowledge of it or you are skeptical of it or you just poo-poo it or shake it off, uh, there could mm -hmm. be um, massive amounts of bondage in your life that you're not even going to shake off because you mm -hmm. choose to just not acknowledge it. Right, right. Um, can we get Zach's question? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Hey, Zach. Um, Zach says, never heard the term spiritual spouse. Is it possible for someone to have multiple spiritual spouses or is it strictly monogamous? Absolutely. Are you asking question. for a friend, Zach? <laughs> Great a good question. question Great question. And yes, yeah. yes, you can have multiple. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. there we go. There we yep. go. You look yep. at okay. some cultures, they have multiple wives and they believe that it, it's a continuation in the afterlife. So mm. that's a really good question. Okay. It is. Uh, Stevie, you know, Wender has an uh, example. That must be part two mm. yeah. to another. No, no, no. It, it was just uh, the, the, the REM sleep state. This is mm. another one that came this after is he's the repeating second it. Because yeah, yeah. he just yeah. wrote example. Yes, I know. Why, okay. It's a repeat of what he had up top. Uh, okay, already. no problem. Okay. Um, why does everyone see weird, scary, like shadow beings, old hag, etc., and not fluffy, friendly animals? <laughs> okay, I got good news for you. Okay, so there's like the cliche cast of characters, right, that we've all heard of now. You got the shadow man, the hat yes. man, yeah. um, and the old hag, and the woman in the rocking chair, and, you know, all this stuff. Um there are people that see animals, uh, not necessarily fluffy, cute ones, um, but there are people that will see bats. I hear a lot of spiders. A lot of people talk about spiders. And what's very interesting is uh, way back when people used to tell me about this, it, it's always interesting to see when our knowledge catches up to our experiences. Because a lot of times when these things happen to us, we have no idea what's going on, but you know, you live long enough and people would talk to me about the spiders, but they were like metal, like they are little robot spiders. And like, well, now we know about nanobots, but they didn't have a word for that back oh, then. Oh, wow. You know? I just yeah. saw a tarantula, nothing fancy like a nanobot. Yeah, these, <laughs> these, are, the, these are the nanobots. And yeah, yeah and so, so people, um, 
the times when people report seeing something maybe not fluffy and cute, but I also there's also this category of people that see things that are nonsensical. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that's a brilliant tactic, too, because as long as you're isolated and no one knows this, if there's more torment, if you have no one to talk to and no one understands and no one can relate to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So we already don't really want to talk a lot about this. Like, Hey, a demon showed up in my room and raped me. Like who wants to go on? Like that's not bus stop mm -hmm. conversation. Right. So uh, I think it's very clever. Sometimes what is, is being shown is nonsensical. So the person doesn't want to share it with anyone else or get mm -hmm. help because it's so stupid that people right. are going to be like, what are you scared of that for? Because I've had the experience I've seen one of the times when I had the sleep mask on when I was doing that experiment, instead of seeing my room, I saw this like screensaver where like things were like kind of like spinning quickly mm. away from me down like a, a vortex, like down a tunnel. And it was like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy from the old cartoon. It, it was like three-dimensional <laughs> And when I woke up, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing. Like, you can't tell anybody that. That's stupid. But as I, the more I tell that story on online, the more people will say, like, oh, I'm so glad you said that because I always just see this stupid, you know, and, and they'll say things like that. Another thing now that's coming out is people are reporting technological sleep paralysis. And that's just a little phrase I coined. But um they're not seeing old hags and shadow people and demons and red glowing eyes and, you know, dead relatives. They're seeing technology. They're seeing blinking lights. They're seeing screensaver looking things. Uh, and they're, they're seeing like sigils, like on the wall, like matrix kind of uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, sigils. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Lots, lots of people will, will report sigils on the wall and, mm -hmm. and, Interesting, because we know that this stuff all has meaning. A lot of mm -hmm. times when they talk about the blinking lights, it's green. Mm -hmm. And when they talk about the sigils, they're blue. They always say blue letters. So I love it when people write to me and they give me those finer details, because there's a lot of consistencies in this. And, you know, it, it, there's that age old kind of one of the ways that that people with these experiences are gaslit. It's like, well, no, you just read all this on online and you're just like adopting what mm -hmm. other people have said. But when when I'm getting letters all over the all over the world, like not just in America, I'm getting letters from other countries, all different ages, different genders. And they're all saying, I see sigils on my wall and they're blue. I mean, how are all of these people? Uh, that's not on the Internet. That's not what people are talking mm -hmm. about. No, how are they all seeing it? Yeah. The son of this almost sounds like it could be. It's like, like here, yeah, aliens. Yeah. Hey, oh, you I'm know? telling you it's aliens. He's been saying yeah. that the whole hour. <laughs> I know, right? I have a, a quick, um, just a comment to your nanobots. Yeah. Apollo 18, which they said to be canceled. <laughs> The whole documentary was about these little spider nanobots. I mm. was 2011, so I wonder when that happened, because that was the documentary. Because you just reminded me, because I don't watch a lot of sci-fi, and that was one of the ones, like, fourth kind that just particularly haunted me. Was it real, Bubbles? I see it was. Um, I think someone's hiding something, but that's just me. Mm, I, I think fourth kind was was a bunch of people's real experiences put into a film. Um, 
I, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you. They Thank are you. trolling you as often as you us. Like. They are trolling us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're putting this stuff in plain sight. You guys should study the um, the backstory as long and complicated as it is. The the entire storyline that goes through Assassin's Creed. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's. I'll just ask my son. Nuts! <laughs> how much to Alaska or <laughs> yeah. to Apollo eighteen? Um, well, so the, the video game Assassin's Creed. Is yes. But from, when you say to look the backstory, did you mean referring to fourth kind film or the Apollo 18? Um, the, if you look at the story that is actually woven through the video game of mm -hmm. Assassin's yeah. Creed. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. Right, yeah, yeah. We'll just ask your son. Yeah, I will. I'll have to ask the boy. Okay. All the adults now want in on this Assassin's Creed crap. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> give me, <laughs> give me a, give you a book well, report it, tomorrow. Everything, everything is hidden in plain sight. And oh yeah. Are, you know, you can be watching movies. There's always little hints. It, it doesn't matter what it is. There's so much. Yeah. And, yeah, all you need to pay attention and pay, and just watch the signs. They're all out there. Um, Chris Beckham. Oh, hi, Chris. Uh, Chris says I've had sleep paralysis and noticed a blue, blue fuzzy light in the room when it happened. Mm. I have heard of the blue light before That's too. I have. It's not Kmart. Go. It's not the Kmart <laughs> next door. <laughs> I yes. like the blue light special. Yeah, we don't, we don't have Kmart in Canada anymore. Though. I'm, I'm curious if the blue light. Um, I'm curious if it was more of an alien SP experience or the like shadow people kind. Because a lot, a lot of the light ones. When people start talking about the lights and the blinking lights and the. I, the the classic sleep paralysis is very like dark like the bedroom is dark and in the ufo ones like the whole room lights up and in the classic sleep paralysis it's like entity shows up at the bedroom door for his reveal mm -hmm. and in the, the alien ufo version it's the window like the focus seems to be the window so um from both my times it was a presence a really heavy presence yes but dark Yes, very oppressive. Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting how you're not necessarily conscious of it at the time, but the next day as you're evaluating it, you can strangely, you strangely somehow know if the entity in your room had more of a male or a female energy, and you know if there was more yeah, than yeah. one of them. And even if you don't yeah. see them, you know where in the room they were. Mm -hmm. It's yep. very <laughs> instinctive. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Wow. That's absolutely. just crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we can move around. Um, Chris, if you can elaborate more on on the situation um, when you saw that light, uh, then maybe Vicky can answer um, just answer question on that, or you know, feel the way around for you. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember? Because of course, science likes to to you know really debunk a lot of this. I came across a story because I had to cover sleep paralysis on another show. Oh, a couple of years back and I wrote this down because I thought this was really fascinating. Um, and it, he related this to alien abductions okay. and you may have heard, you know, you may have, have, have heard about this um, yourself, but it was a Canadian physicist named Jean-Christophe Terrillon and he was doing research in Japan reporting um, the following. So being a scientist, he did not bear in mind, didn't believe in evil spirits, he did not believe in, you know, ETs. He was like, meh, you know, kind of. But once a week he was doing this experiment. 
and he sensed a threatening presence, very evil beside his bed while paralyzed. His ears were ringing, weight pressed down on his chest as he struggled to breathe. He um, felt intense pressure in his head as if it was going to explode. And sometimes he found himself transported upward, looking down at his body, and even felt as though he was hurled through a long tunnel. I wanted to share that because this is this is a physicist. This is like somebody who was like, nope, there's a logical explanation for this. And meanwhile, he was having all of these terrifying experiences and could not really debunk them, especially yes. when he found himself coming up. Yeah. Out of his body. Well, good for him because a, one of the guys that I cite in my book, his name was Dan Kramer, and he was some sort of scientist as well. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what his exact title was, but he was uh, also skeptical of this kind of stuff and he had his own experience. And uh it was somewhat undeniable and it, he had all the like, the classic signs of every, everybody else. And uh, he completely talked his way out of it to the mm -hmm. point of it was like a projection of an internal doppelganger. And, and then he went a step further that because that was a logical explanation for him, mm -hmm. that was the explanation for everybody having this experience. And so I can understand having gone through this, I can understand that when you wake up, Okay, I totally believe in Occam's razor. Like, what is the most logical explanation for this? Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah, a deep sleep glitch or um, some sort of insomnia or stress or trauma or internal brain defragging. Like, that is that's mm -hmm. Occam's razor. That makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. But I also know just from having this time and time and time again that you do spend a great deal of time trying to explain it away. You know, it's kind of like, you're 14 and you're babysitting and you, you hear a loud noise, you're always going to say it's the family's cat because mm -hmm. you don't want to explore that it's possibly someone breaking into the house or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And so we always kind of want to uh, migrate towards that explanation that's the least terrifying or stressful. And so for sure. many, many years, I had a sense <clears throat> that there was obviously something very spiritual to this, but I still truly had myself convinced that they were nightmares. They were just like intense nightmares. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't until my mid thirties where I finally came to grips with the fact that, oh no, this is something much, much more going on here. And it frightened me when I finally came to grips with that. And so I do understand, especially if you're a doctor or you're a scientist, or especially mm -hmm. if you have got something to lose reputationally, if you admit that these kooks are all right, you know, because you've you know, stated on the record that they're not. And so I understand why people want to explain it away. I understand why the church wants to explain it away. Mm -hmm. I, it all makes sense to me why science and medicine and uh, the church wants to explain it away. But I don't think we're doing ourselves or anybody any favors if it is something, if it is something very real and these people are being tormented uh, and they are traumatized by it and they're not enjoying it. And it, and it's, you know, it, cause there, there's a, uh, there's like a downward spiral. Like there's a snowball effect that goes with this because what happens to a lot of us that have it a lot is you start staying up later and later and later to kind mm -hmm. of an, avoid the inevitable. Right. So then you're going to work or school the next day, really tired. And so that now, now that's affecting your relationships because you're snapping at people because mm -hmm. you're tired. And mm -hmm. then it's affecting your grades or it's affecting your work because you're, you're tired. And, and so 
just the simple effect that it physically has on you from your lack of sleep has a whole nother set of, of things that just make, can, can wreak havoc with your life. And so there's so many tentacles attached to this. And so when you just, as, as a doctor or as a priest or a pastor, if you just write these people off, like it's just a bad dream or don't worry about it or what they like to do in the church, there's a, there's a lot of shaming that goes on in the church. Like, what did you do to invite this? Mm -hmm. what, what did you do to open the door? What, what sort of sin are you hiding? You know, That's and the, the big one right there because mm -hmm. the church itself Let's face it, you know, they have they have it down when it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to their exorcists, um, they're logical, they want the scientific and the medical, everything gets checked, but they know these things are sneaky. Mm -hmm. They know this is a problem because they're backed up two years in exorcism, so they know what's is happening. Absolutely. But it's like what you're saying, it's the shaming that's I find really fascinating. Yeah, there is a lot of shaming. And obviously yeah. we, we know we can open doors. We know you can open portals. You know there's there's mm -hmm. rich that's what rituals are for. And mm -hmm. and there yes, there's things that you can do to um you know, become a magnet for these things. And, you know, uh, I talk in my book about Robert Monroe and his theories of Louche. And mm -hmm. there's obviously uh, emotions and energies that they are attracted to. Mm -hmm. um, so if we are super, super stressed out, or if we're, you know, have a lot of negativity or stress or, um, you know, they, they love, they, exactly. They love fear. Mm -hmm. They love terror. They love lust. They love mm -hmm. anger. They love, they love all that stuff. And so, mm -hmm. yes, there are things that we can do to clean house if this is happening to us and those things should be examined. But mm -hmm. when, when it comes to someone like me, like, okay, I'm three years old, I'm not playing with a Ouija board and I'm not sleeping around. I'm a three-year-old. Like, I don't know anything about the realities of the spirit realm at this no, point in my life. Just what you want to have next to eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. R right. And so this is where we get into the realms of there can be generational and ancestral things. And the church, they admit to that. that I mean, it's in the scriptures. It talks about generational curses. And okay, so, so that's what I don't understand. It's like there, there's so much talk in the churches now about spiritual warfare and generational curses and breaking generational curses. Mm -hmm. And yet when you actually come to them with a legitimate side effect of maybe one of these curses, then you're crazy or they tell you to go see a psychiatrist or they tell you it's just bad dreams or they try to figure out the worst sin in your life mm -hmm. to, to explain mm -hmm. it. And, you know, and a lot of times, you know, these covenants, they weren't initially made with us. And or sometimes it can be the these entities might be drawn to the negative energy of someone living in your house. And so you're getting bothered by it, but it really wasn't anything you yourself did to invite it. It could be your dad. It could be your spouse. Like it could be a past life thing that they just—they're not bound by space and time. They can just follow you through life after life. It's the essence they follow, right? Right. The familiar spirits—they um, mm -hmm. are generational, and they knew your grandma, and they—they mm -hmm. they know all that stuff, which is why they can so easily feed the information to the mediums, the conduits, mm -hmm. because they knew—they know all your ancestors. They were bugging—they were bugging them when they were alive. Right. Right. <laughs> And have, have you determined what the cause of your attacks were? Oh, gosh. So I, I do have a couple theories. One is was razzle-dazzle and exciting. And one is maybe not as exciting, but I think it's the most helpful explanation. Mm -hmm. And so the, the most helpful explanation is I have noticed that a lot of people that have sleep paralysis at a really early age, there's some sort of trauma going on. 
Mm. Now, I had a great home life. My mom and dad got married at 19. They were married uh, 47 years until she passed away. And they, you know, I, I had a great, very functioning home, very loving, very supportive. There was no abuse going on in the home. But I was born with a birth defect. And so from 10 days old, I had my first surgery, major surgery where they, you know, tore into my head at 10 days old. Mm -hmm. I was alone in the hospital for the first month. Mom went home. I was there and surgeries and doctors appointments and operations were my life for the first 16 years of my life. And so Mm That also brought on, of course, the bullying because, you know, you'd have Mm -hmm. surgery during the summer and then you'd go to school and you'd still have stitches and like Mm -hmm. bruising and stuff. And so uh, I again, with this loose idea, they are attracted to negative energy. And I had so much sort of shame and fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. going on that I was just a major magnet for these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really was kind of a brilliant tactic because here you've got someone who's like. Um, when I'm, when I'm home, I'm usually being dragged to some doctor's appointment. When I'm at the hospital, everything, it's needles and it's scary. When I'm at school, they're get I'm getting teased. You know, the one place I could have had some solace would have been in my own bedroom at night asleep. Right. But that's so, supposed to be your safe place. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you don't ever get a rest. So then you're in this like foxhole mentality. You're, you're in this survival mode at mm. all times and it just wears you down. But the more razzle-dazzle explanation is uh, we rented a home when I was probably two two or three at the time. We rented a home and we lived there for a year. And I believe that this is where my sleep paralysis started because I, I do have one memory of my mom tucking me in for bed and my saying that I was afraid of the dark and I was having bad dreams or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the only reason Mm -hmm. I remember this is because the story is funny. As I look back on it, Um, my mom was like, oh, you don't have to be afraid. The angels are watching over you. And this must have been the first time in my life I came across that word. So I said, well, what are angels? And so she gives me the two-year-old explanation. Well, they're big and they're bright and they're everywhere. What She failed to mention that they were invisible. <laughs> we can't see no, them no. normally, right? <laughs> so she, she leaves and I decide I need to investigate to make sure these big, bright, everywhere things are watching over me before I fall asleep. And I don't see anything like that in my room. So I, I stand up on my bed and I look out my window and there are going all the way up and down both sides of the street, these huge streetlights. And I'm like, oh, well, that must be the angels because they're big and they're bright and they're everywhere. And so I remember that because, you know, in retrospect, as an adult, you look back and go, that's so funny, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, my brother was four and he was having extreme near nightly night terrors and night terrors and sleep paralysis are quite different. He was mm-hmm. having night terrors. And my mom would sort of intuitively, as mothers do, wake up in the middle of the night and say, okay, something's wrong. And she'd run into my brother's room and he wouldn't be there. And he'd be out the front door sleepwalking around in the street. And this happened frequently. And and my brother had some weird outbursts and there was some paranormal activity in the house. And there was a lot of kind of creepiness and fear kind of revolving around the basement area for all mm-hmm. of us. And so I guess we didn't really think anything of it necessarily, but um after we moved, my mom got a letter from one of the neighbors, like a, like the annual Christmas letter, like you used to do in the 70s, right? And mm-hmm. um, and the woman was very curious. And she goes, well, all the neighbor leaders, now that you've moved out, we're just so curious. Like, did anything creepy ever happen in that house? 
And my mom's a pretty private person. So she kind of played it cool. And she goes, well, what do you mean? Like, why would you even say that? And they, they wrote her back and they said, well, the house you rented is owned by a satanic high priest. And we've always heard rumors that they do the rituals in the basement. And we want to know if that's really true. And again, my mom played it cool. Like, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> but we oh were like, what? Yeah, what is that about? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Wow. So, so again, that's a perfect example, too, of what we're talking about is um, if you go to your pastor and you say, I'm having this experience and it all becomes, okay, tell me about your secret porn addiction. You know, it, this literally could have been something completely innocuous, like you, a house you had lived in or, mm. so I just think that we have to be more sensitive to the fact that, uh, yes, there are methods of invitation and there are ways that we wittingly and unwittingly invite these things in. But there's also a whole bunch of things outside of the realm of our control. And we might just step into uh, an unfortunate location or situation. And so if you're in a situation, if you're a doctor, if you're a psychiatrist, you're a counselor, you're a pastor, you're a youth group leader, please be open to the idea that there, there might be, this person might be targeted. This person, you know, might not have asked for this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Absolutely. A victim of circumstance. Hmm. You know, I think that would have been the perfect scenario uh, for anything to come in and prey on you. Um, and to, 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 and they do attach for lifetimes. Like oh, if they're yes. not bound by time or space, they can definitely um, stick it out for as long as they have to. They're right? patient. They're patient. They are. They're very patient. Now, this is based on Chris going back to the blue light. Okay. Yep. Okay, Chris says, it was a shadow person next to me. Couldn't make out the face, but I felt it was evil and it had no regard for people. Yeah. And he he believed it was male. It was male. Yep, yep. That, that's so crazy, Chris. Like, I, it is so fascinating to me kind of being on this side of things where a lot of people will share their experiences with me. How, I mean, almost everything you just said, Chris, I've heard so many times before that the word evil gets invoked. Mm -hmm. uh, and the location, like where they are. And that is not the first time I've heard someone say no regard for people, or they'll say something like hatred. Like I could tell that they hated me, you mm -hmm. know, and, uh, very fascinating, uh, that, you know, and just for full disclosure, there are people that do report the exact opposite where these entities will show up and, they're filled with love and light and it's very Jeez. orgasmic and it's pleasurable. And I can't wait for that to happen again. And, you know, mm. so uh, that's strange, but I, I do always tell people the, the litmus test, like to test it, to test a spirit, to know whether it's good or bad, good or evil, lower or higher vibrational, whatever your vocabulary surrounding this is, the litmus test cannot be the emotional response that your body instinctively had because mm -hmm. we do have people that talk about how it started out great. Oh, and this, this succubus came and visited me and it was awesome. But then it, it can turn extremely sinister. So it was a false, it was a wolf in sheep's clothing situation. And then I also like to point out that in, in the scriptures, in the Bible, whenever someone would meet an angel, so this is a, a good angel from heaven, on assignment to bring good tidings. This person is not going to, this, this angel isn't there to wreak harm or frighten. Mm -hmm. uh, most, most of the responses in the scripture, when people met an angel of the Lord 
was terror. Like the, one of the most frequent first words out of the mouth of God's angels is fear not or do not be afraid. Be and they would tremble and their knees would knock and they would fall over. They They'd have to be revived. They look like what people think they look like. Either. Exactly. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. whether or not the spirit invokes <laughs> terror or pleasure is not enough in and of itself to determine whether or not you're <laughs> safe or not. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. There we go. Another, another comment. Oh, Stevie says, my son had night terrors in the past, no longer has them. I remember reading from a psychic describing it as a nightmare of steroids. My dad, a Vietnam vet, used to get them also. They got a lot of stuff in Vietnam. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's very sad. Yep. Mm -hmm. So yeah. again, they ride on trauma. So PTSD makes total sense because they, they love to torment those who are already tormented. Mm -hmm. And the night terrors, I, I'm glad that someone brought up night terrors because they are, it's very different. Sleep paralysis, people will talk about being paralyzed. They can't move. They can't talk. And night terrors is, is the exact opposite. This is when you find the child screaming and thrashing. I and, had them when yes. was yeah. and with sleep paralysis, for the most part, they can wake up the next day and say, oh my gosh, it was so scary. And this happened. Like, like we've seen tonight with the comments, people mm -hmm. who have sleep paralysis can give you very detailed descriptions of what happened. Whereas with the night terrors, and this was the case with my brother as well, uh, the next day, we, you know, my parents would ask him, like, did you have a nightmare last night? Like, no, no, no memory of it. Like, just no, mm. no memory of it. So, so, mm. but yeah, I, I do sometimes see people using sleep paralysis and night terrors synonymously, and they're actually quite, quite different. I mean, they fall in, obviously under the umbrella of nocturnal torment, but they're, they're quite different experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You said, yes, you can't touch them as you become a part of the terror. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. I yes, just yes. my daughter and talk her through it when she was yeah. really little. It's, it's, it's difficult for sure. Um, so let's, I mean, paranormal, obviously that's the hag syndrome. I mean, we've talked a lot about that, but what about alien abductions? What's the difference between the three the paranormal aspect of things, you know, sleep paralysis itself as a whole, and alien abductions. How do you yeah. know which one you're really having? So there, there can be similarities. I, I think there's a lot more similarities between sleep paralysis and alien abductions than we have previously discussed. Yeah. And in the past, like, you know, in the 60s and 70s, um, I, I always make the analogy that this is like the uh, the old Reese's peanut butter commercial, like you got your chocolate and my peanut butter, you got your peanut butter. Like, know, that's true. <laughs> you know, the the, yeah. the alien the alien abduction folks, they do not want their science messed up with these kooky sleep paralysis people. It's not the same, and and it's not mm. the same. And I agree right. with that. Uh, so let me just go through some of the some of the differences Please. and then some of the similarities. Of so the the biggest difference is is that these alien experiences can happen when someone's wide awake. A lot of times they're driving in their car. Mm -hmm. uh, the Betty and Barney Hill, the, the first kind of public one, they were in their car. And mm -hmm. a lot of people explain that they're on a camping trip or they're like going to the river to like, you know, wash out their tin cup. And like, you know, so you can be wide awake. And, uh, but there are sleep paralysis experiences where people do report seeing the grays and they report seeing the ufos they, the bright light comes through the window they get sucked out the window and they, so we all i would say there is an alien abduction can happen anytime anywhere asleep or awake but it can also happen during a sleep paralysis experience so 
Um, and that's where the similarities used to kind of end. But like I alluded to earlier, I am really beginning to believe that the sleep paralysis experience is an abduction or an attempted abduction, but it's an abduction into the astral realm. And with the, with the UFO experiencers, they'll talk a lot about genetics, medical experiments, laboratories, you know, eggs and ovaries and implants and false pregnancies. And sounds almost like military abductions. Yes, it yeah. does. It's very, with very trauma behind it. Yes. Whereas uh, with sleep paralysis, it's more of a, I think, uh, um, a literary education, religious sort of classroom. So you get you get brought up into the astral, whether you remember it or not. And I think it's sort of a re-education program where you are being trained in the religion and the philosophies and the spirituality of this realm. Uh, you know, the earthly realm, we have our world religions and this kind of pre-Atlantean theosophical sort of you know, religion of the astral realm, it's, it, it runs counterclockwise to, to the traditional religions we have in the physical realm. And so if you study the people in history, and I'm talking about recent history, 18, 1900s, mm -hmm. if you talk about people who have shaped our entire modern culture in the fields of medicine, literature, uh, religion, a lot of the people who to this day shape our entire culture because of the things that they wrote, they were loud and proud astral projectors. And they, mm -hmm. they didn't even, this isn't like classified information. Uh, like um, Helena Blavatsky even said, I didn't write any of this. I had a mm -hmm. Chinese ascended master who dictated this stuff to me. Um, and they talk about automatic writing and, uh, a lot of our literary giants that we we read the books when we're young kids, like uh, mm. Frank Baum and uh, uh, Lewis Carroll, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, huge one. And, and he completely just talked about the dream renderings that he would have in, in the dream in the dream state and so much spirituality bound up in in his quote unquote fiction. Um and so, you know, you look at the Alice Bailey's and the Helena Blavatsky's and the Robert Monroe's and uh, our literary giants and even Galen, uh, the, mm. the second century super surgeon of the Asclepions. And I have a whole chapter in my book about the Asclepions and that the link to astral projection and healing and where they would go and the spirit guides would would they would dream a cure and then the, the high priest surgeons would, you know, execute this this healing. And so much of our culture right now is influenced by the writings of human beings that were just basically doing dictation up mm. in the astral realm. And so our, our, our fields of medicine, science, literature, and religion are all heavily influenced by concepts that have come from the astral realm. And so that that right there is what I would say is the hugest difference between the UFO abductions and the sleep paralysis abductions. Uh, people who are being targeted and brought into the astral, they are 
the artists, the writers, the, the creative, the right brain, the, the people who have elocution and, and they're articulate and they have communication skills and, and they write and they do film. And they, the, these are the people that are being trained to re-educate the physical mm -hmm. realm. Whereas mm -hmm. obviously with the UFO abductions, it's, it's a completely different agenda going on there. And, and I would agree with you that that is, uh, I'm not going to say a hundred percent because it's more complicated than that, but mm -hmm. if it turned out in the end that the UFO abductions were all militarized and mm -hmm. the astral projection was all spirit realm, uh, that would not surprise me. But I will add to that, that even the, the, the militarized projects, they are all being backed up by the spirit realm. And a lot of that information that they're getting and the technology that they're getting, they're not doing it alone. It's not just a bunch of smart guys in military uniforms. No, I, I completely agree with you because, you know, I've had some extraterrestrial um, I always, I don't so much like to say abduction anymore. Probably contact is more like it. And it mm. seems to be very benign. I think all the fear mongering, because I had me on edge, <clears throat> you know, early days. I'm like, what the hell is all of this? And it started having more childhood memories. It started feeling more comfortable. I think I have a healthy curiosity. Mm. But I think that a lot of the things that are being described um, when it comes to um like, like all this horrific stuff, yeah. you know, like all of these science experiments and all of this, you know, just, it's just primitive technology compared to, I think what you would find on an actual extraterrestrial, um, having that experience, you know, but I think, you know, when you look at the astral realm, is the astral realm, is it just dimensional? And of course, these other beings could be there as well. Mm -hmm. I think you could have a mix of both. But I think the I think the negative stuff, they're just that they're lower lying. You know, they just lay in wait. Whereas I think the more positive or evolved beings, you do have to go to them. I think you do have to, you know, go much further in than you know, just touching on this, this third density being, which just lays in wait. I mean, that you can have infiltrate your space to through something as common as spirit communication and a board or a tape recorder or a pendulum and just not knowing what you're bringing in. Right, right. Yeah, the the Anakian term would probably be watcher technology. And so uh, yeah. in the book of Enoch one is really, really fascinating. That's and again, good. this is where I really think the church gets um, rips themselves off because, you know, whether something's canon or not, whether or not something was inspired by the Holy Spirit or not, doesn't mean yeah. that there isn't loads of information that we can glean from it. I mean, yes. the book of Josephus is filled with all sorts of like very helpful pieces of information. And he was sort of a skeptic. I mean, that's not canon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but anyway, in, in the book of Enoch, I love this. It, it, it gives away a lot of information. It says that Azazel was, was put into the abyss. He was punished. His crime was sharing the mysteries of heaven. <laughs> See? But what's, but what's interesting about it is... <laughs> It goes on to say, and you didn't even share the good ones. You shared the worthless ones. And, mm -hmm. it, and it lists out in, in the book of Enoch what those were. Um, it's the forging of weapons. Yes. Uh, 
uh, it is the herbs and cutting of herbs for, you know, makeup and, you know, yeah, seduction vanity. and vanity. And, and yeah. so it's the, the, the mysteries that they shared originated mm -hmm. in the, the throne room of God, the heaven, heaven, right? The mm -hmm. biblical heaven, mm -hmm. uh, but they were worthless. And that's fascinating to me as, as a believer that there mm -hmm. are things in heaven that God is defining as worthless. You know, that, that's, that's yeah, an interesting yeah. paradigm to me. But then it also goes on to say, I think it's in chapter 16 and I wish I could remember it exactly, but the wording when he's talking to Azazel is he said, basically it alludes to the fact that they, the watchers, the 200 watchers that, that descended Mount Hermon, they left heaven like they were they were being educated and they got all these worthless secrets, which was kind of like, you know, secrets mm -hmm. 101. Right. They were getting just the basic kindergarten level stuff. Let's go see what they're going to rat out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically mm -hmm. they take off thinking, well, this is the greatest stuff in the world. We don't need anything more. We don't need to go all the way through 12th grade. And so they bail. And, mm -hmm. you know, God was basically saying to Azazel, if you had stuck around and heard everything else I was willing to tell you, it would have blown your mind because this is just the, the worthless stuff. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I like to tell people is, um, you know, in Ephesians 6, 12, it talks about the high places. And mm. if you, if you look at that Greek word, Epiranios, it's really describing the astral. It's talking about the lower heavens and it's talking about where the archons are. And mm. these are the, you know, to Chris's point earlier, I felt like they, they, like they had a vendetta against me, like they hated all of mankind. They do. And Ephesians mm -hmm. 6, 12 says that they do. The, the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against these rulers and authorities and archons in the heavenly places. And so mm -hmm. um, what, what we have to understand, and this is a tough pill to swallow, but what we have to understand is the only knowledge that those beings have are defined in the book of Enoch as the worthless pieces mm -hmm. of knowledge. And so what I try to tell people is it's not that you can't get knowledge in mm -hmm. the astral realm. You can, but the, there's more knowledge than that, that there's knowledge that's greater than that to, to be obtained. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I just think that we, we, again, this goes to testing the spirits because uh, I think a lot of these things do present as friendly and mm -hmm. they, you know, that's a difference between when you meet them in the bedroom and when you meet them in the astral. When you meet them in the astral, they try a little bit harder to come off like they're they're your friend. And when I think you we face still to face at that point, you're not sitting here like victimized and <clears throat> paralyzed in your bed. I think for people yes. who want to get a real insight into um, a lot of this, they should read the Book of Enoch. I mean, yes. technically, Enoch was your first alien abductee. You know, like there's a lot of information <laughs> up there. That there people, is. If they just took the time, you know, it would be pretty fascinating. Uh, yes. We just have to do our station and sponsor ID. Yes, yeah. we uh, do. <laughs> okay, thank you. You are listening to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pisano coming to you live on 105.3 FM radio from the gorgeous city of New Orleans. Tonight's guest is Vicki Joy Anderson, and we are discussing sleep paralysis and her latest addition to her book. She is an author who has more than one book. They only come out at night, exposing the dark weapon of sleep paralysis. A shout out and thank you to the amazing people at Folgers Coffee for fully sponsoring our show from day one. 
Thank you so much. And we want to thank you in advance for your continuing sponsorship. A huge thank you for our intro and outro to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon. Justin Snicker, award-winning composer and musician. You can find his music on Amazon and Bandcamp and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. That's a place, both places, both social media platforms where you will be able to listen to clips of his music and learn how you can purchase it. Stream or listen to our archives on the platform you normally use. Please remember to subscribe and like us too. Like us too. If you're on YouTube right now, give us a like, subscribe. It's free. If you don't like the notifications, don't worry. Just turn them off. But if you do, you'll be missing out on the shows. That's right. <laughs> and if you don't follow, shame on you. No, okay. That's right. <laughs> I'm just yanking your chain, people. Yanking your chain. <laughs> Show us some love. Come on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, I was just going to put this comment up right here for Stevie. Stevie, no wonder. <laughs> I can't get, I love it. Um, he wrote, I heard and I need to research if this is true for myself. The greys are described in the Hebrew version of Enoch as a certain entity and not in other translations. Hmm. I, I'm going to have to look into that too. I've not heard that. That's very fascinating. That's the first time. Um, for Chris Beckham, you just go to our, um, you just go to YouTube and search the Outer Realm. It'll come up. Or look for the live link, right? Uh, go to the Outer Realm Facebook page. Click on the live link where the show is happening right now, and that should take you yeah. right over to that page. He's on Facebook right now, so it oh, should be go. really easy for you. Easy, thank way. you, Chris. Thank you in advance. Yeah, thank you. So, okay, yeah. so where next, Chicky? Where do you want to go next? <laughs> oh man, oh boy, where we? Where do we go? You know, um, one of the things that comes up in a lot of the shows I do it because it is probably the most popular chapter in my book. Chapter four is. Uh, Threshold Covenants and Astral Vampires. And people always like to talk about the vampires. And so, um, unfortunately, I did have to cut a lot of that chapter out of the book. It's on the cutting room floor, and I'm kind of hoping it'll, it'll maybe show up in the next book. But a lot of these uh, sleep paralysis entities, you know, we we have these vague, they're more descriptions than they are names. It's just shadow man, hat man, old hag, that sort of thing. But if you if you study out into antiquity, these things, I, I believe, actually have names. And the names probably aren't like first names, you know, like, you know, like our first names. It's probably more of like the name of the the genus or the class of what sort of entity it is. Mm -hmm. But there is really a lot of evidence biblically that the, like, for example, the screech owl, which is mentioned in the book of Isaiah, if you study out that Hebrew word, it's, it's tied then to the Lilith, which is the, all the yes. Lamia, Lamashu type yes. of uh, succubus kind of characters and, and demonesses. And there are male versions of that as well. And so in the book, I do go into kind of the history of our fictionalized conception of, of a vampire. And this goes back to earlier in our discussion where uh, there's a lot of truth in plain sight in literature and film and music and video games now as well. And, you know, the, the Hollywoodized vampire has some contrivances of it that wouldn't be accurate to the actual demonic entities that they're, you know, go back to in, in antiquity, but there really is a lot of similarities. And some of the things that I stumbled upon in my research that I found really fascinating is um, that 
a lot of times when people talk about sleep paralysis, they will talk about opening up their eyes and seeing this entity at the bedroom door. And it doesn't always happen this way. Sometimes they see, you know, something black in the corner of their ceiling and some, you know, different things like that. Or sometimes they wake up and it's already on their chest. But a lot of times they'll talk about how it's at the door. And I always kind of thought they were just doing this so that they could get a dramatic entrance to like build the suspense and the fear, right? <laughs> but even if you Google, if you Google Shadow Man, um, a lot of the artist's depictions will draw the shadow man by a door frame. And mm. not not always, but there's an uncanny number of them where they're standing by the door frame. And this is also tied to our vampiric lore where you cannot be bitten by a vampire unless you've given him permission or invitation. And once he crosses the threshold, he then has access to you. And this actually has links into a practice that was practiced all over the world up until probably the early to mid 1800s called the threshold covenant. And so a lot of people, you know, we read about Passover in, in the old Testament and we think it was just kind of this one and done sort of thing that they did, you know, where they painted the, the, the doorposts with blood, but this was actually something that would have been very familiar to the Hebrew people. And in fact, it would have been very familiar to a lot of cultures, these threshold covenants, go all the way back into antiquity to the time where uh, before we were urbanized, when we were still in a, an agrarian planet, people pretty much, they had their own plot of land, their own home. And what, what happened then is since there wasn't churches and tabernacles and temples and things back then is your home, which in the earliest eras was a cave, your home was your family's temple. And the patriarch of the family, whether it would be a grandfather or a father or a husband, the patriarch of the family was the house father or the house priest or the priest father. And so the, the hearthstone was the original threshold because before you entered a home, the fire was kind of outside of the cave. And that's where people would come out to eat, to fellowship, to stay warm, to cook but it was also the family altar. The hearthstone was the original family altar. And it originally moved to become sort of synonymous with the threshold of the home because that, that, that fire was at the entrance of the home. And it's a really neat study. If you go online and you just study the history of the hearthstone throughout the centuries, the hearthstone moves from outside the house to the entrance of the house. And then as technology takes over, the hearth actually gets deeper and deeper and deeper into the home. And so for a while it was in the kitchen and then it was in the living room and then it was in the basement family room. And now it's just a gas fireplace somewhere if you even have one at all, right? Because we, right. we have things that produce uh, heat and, and we have things where we can cook. So it, it's sort of fallen out of, of use, but the threshold is where you would covenant with your God and you would covenant with your family and your guests. It was a sacred hospitality ritual. And so if someone was going to come to your house, you would meet at the altar of the home, which was the threshold. And you would, uh, well, if you want to go all the way, all the way, all the way back into antiquity, there was usually a the, the blood was of the actual two men covenanting. They would slit a hand or something. 
Uh, sometimes it was a living sacrifice. It was a ritual sacrifice. And then as we got more civilized, it became animals. Mm. And then as we got even more civilized, the, the blood kind of came out of it. And now even our handshake, even our modern handshake is, is, is a threshold covenant. Because they used to dip their hands in the blood and then they would put their handprints on the threshold. And so mm -hmm. that, that bloody handprint on the threshold was a visible, it was kind of like a signature or a handshake that I'm now in covenant with you. I'm not wow. going to hurt you. When you now mm -hmm. step over the threshold, you're like a blood relative to me and I will never harm you. You're like a, a blood bought son. I will never harm you. And so what, what these what these shadow people and these various entities are doing and this kind of this falls very much in line with the spirit spouses and the covenants and the astral is they're seeking that vampiric invitation and that invitation can be uh a witting open door and it can also be this louche or this you know as robert monroe talked about it can be an energy draw but once it steps over the threshold you, according to the rules of the threshold, which the threshold is an altar, according to the rules, mm -hmm. if you invited that thing in, it now has jurisdiction. You, you have given it a legal right to be in there. You have to rescind it. Exactly. Right? It, mm -hmm. It's a covenant at that point, like, like mm -hmm. a betrothal covenant. And if you study the uh, uh, betrothal uh habits or, you know, I can't think of the word, but in the, in, in Semitic lore and in, in like in the Jewish world, even today, mm -hmm. these threshold covenants, they're all betrothal covenants. And so mm -hmm. uh, you, the, in, in the Jewish wedding, the woman gets prepared. She goes into the honeymoon tent, right? And there's a, there's a deeper door within the honeymoon tent, which is called the Tamian chamber. That's where the action, that's where it comes down. Right. And so, in in this culture, the man stands at the door and knocks and he has to wait for an invitation and he can't come in and consummate that marriage until the bride says, I'm now ready. And then he comes in and then once he's in, he goes to the deeper chamber, the Tamian chamber, and then there's a consummation, which is we see this played out in sleep paralysis where it comes to the door, it waits for the invitation, it gets the invitation, it comes deeper into the chamber and then a lot of people do report some sort of sexual encounter, which is not pleasant. It's a, it's an, you know, an, a, a bastardization of, of what would be beautiful, but mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's interesting to me that usually when you're dealing with things that have to do with the occult, you know, you go back to Crowley's like law of reversal. Yes. A yes. lot of what they're doing is they're, they're, they're not coming up with something new. They're taking something that was biblical and they're flipping it on its head. It's reversing it. So that's right. So the question isn't even so much who are these, what are these entities, what are these entities doing? What do they want? The question mm -hmm. is more, what are they mimicking? What, that's right. What is, what are they that's mimicking? Right. So exactly. interestingly, we see this same betrothal covenant, threshold covenant, bridegroom imagery twice at least, maybe more, but at least twice in in the in the Bible. Revelation 3:20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door and lets me in, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And even the terminology of eating with me is it's another covenant. It's a salt covenant. It's a bread mm -hmm. and salt covenant. And so it is this picture of, you know, 
there is this metaphor that runs through scripture where Jesus is the bridegroom and he's coming back a second time. The second coming of Jesus is the wedding feast of the lamb, mm. all this stuff. And so um, we see here that these sleep paralysis entities are basically posing as this bridegroom coming to the door, waiting for entrance into the Tamian chamber for that consummation, for that, that betrothal covenant. Mm. And we also see it in Song of Solomon, verse five, you know, okay, this is the, oh, this is the, like the sex book. No one wants to preach on, on Song of Solomon, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but in, in Song of Solomon 5, too, I love it. It says, this is so relevant to what we're talking about here. It says in Song of Solomon 5, two, the bride was asleep, but her heart was awake. Mm -hmm. And the bridegroom came to the door and said, my love, my dove, he wants consummation yeah. right and she's like i'm not ready i just got in bed i i you know i'm mm -hmm. barefoot i'm cold and so she's like go away she sends him away because she's she's tired it's it, you know and so again similar song of solomon and in revelation the bridegroom does not come in uninvited he doesn't barge in he doesn't like mm -hmm. you were saying earlier michelle that because of free will he cannot trick or dupe he won't do that mm -hmm. so in, in Song of Solomon 5.2, we have another example of a bridegroom coming to uh, a Tamian chamber door wanting intimacy, wanting covenant. And so this is, in essence, I believe what's happening in a lot of these sleep paralysis scenarios with the, the shadow people. Mm -hmm. And they're making their way over. And there is something usually very erotic and sexual in it. Not always. Um, but you do get a lot of people reporting it. And quite frankly, I think the only reason sleep paralysis has gotten the level of attention that it has is because the people that do talk about that, everyone wants to hear about that. That's titillating, mm -hmm. you know. Yes. I think it, if there wasn't a sexual component, people would not even bother. Like nobody wants to really address this topic. But right. I, I do think that there, that these are threshold covenants. These things are coming to the door because we... It has fallen out of our understanding that our threshold is our altar. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's where the deity is. It, that's where the veil is thin and where the deities come. And so our ignorance of that is what gets us in trouble because we think, well, these are just bad dreams. I'm just stressed out. I shouldn't eat in that spaghetti right before yeah. I went to bed. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we write this stuff off. But there are actually, I believe, it is my theory that these are actual threshold covenants that we're entering into that can be reversed. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think it's good to stress that. You know, can, people out there just in complete despair after this. I know, show. I know. Yeah, I can <laughs> let you off the hook. And it, 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 yeah. it, you can get off the hook the same way you get off of a betrothal covenant in the physical realm. Right. You're free to marry again when that first covenant is completely dissolved. You know, and this is where we get into the whole... Uh, Christian doctrine of the gospel, which I think they've really missed the mark. This is where modern Americans do not understand the bridegroom and the betrothal imagery in that concept. So now it just mm -hmm. becomes say a little prayer and Jesus is your best friend the rest of your life. And no, what, what's happening is um, when Paul says that you die to the old self and you come, you, you live as a new person, and that's what the whole symbol of baptism is you're being plunged into a grave and, and being right. risen again. That's what right. he's really saying there is because you've now officially died, 
everyone that you were married to previously, all of those marriages are annulled because death is the one thing that breaks a betrothal covenant. Mm -hmm. And so the gospel or receiving the gospel is actually a form of, of a death. And you, it, a lot of people look at it like, oh, I don't want to become a Christian, go to church and have to, you know, bring hot dishes on Wednesday nights and all this stuff, right? right. <laughs> totally missing the mark because what it is, is that is the way that we are able to rid ourselves from all of those binding covenants with those spirit spouses and those betrothal covenants. And then it's, you know, behold, I knock at the door. I'm the bridegroom. I'm not going to come in uninvited. I'm not going to cross the threshold until you invite me. But when when mm -hmm. we enter into this threshold covenant, you will become like a blood bought son or daughter. I will protect you. I will take care of you. And mm -hmm. not talk. He's talking about in the spiritual sense. I'm going to protect you from all of these wolves in sheep's clothing in the spirit realm. These rulers, these archons, these mm -hmm. you know, these deceptive spirits. And so, there's so much. I think uh, betrothal imagery in in sleep paralysis and in the opposite of sleep paralysis and. Mm -hmm. It's missed by the church completely. Well, what they're at least putting out there for the rest of us, I, th I think the church is much more versed than it leads the common man to believe. I think there's a lot of mm. information that some people do follow within that community. That's a whole other show. <laughs> but yeah. I'm just going to post this up because um, he went and looked for it for you. Oh, good. Based on his Enoch statement. Amelia? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, CB says the above regarding the Enoch comment comes from Dr. Greg Little. He's not sure if it's his book, Origin of the Gods, or one of the other books, but mm. Dr. Thank you. Greg Little. Greg Little. Thank yeah, you. I'll so leave it up if you want to write it down. Feel <laughs> free. Or I'll leave it there before I take it down for you. Um, yeah, he says he's got a lot of books about plasma beings, transdimensional entities, supernatural power locations, and so on. So I'm not going to put that part of it up just to give you time to write that down. Okay. But, I'm going to, yeah. I, I have to type this, but I will, Greg Little. <clears throat> yeah, no problem. Well, we are nearing the, the the top of the hour already. I can't believe how fast it went. So I know. I know. Uh, I, I know. We'll have to do this again. Get that other book out, man. Come I will. On. I will. I will. All right. <laughs> no goofing around now. Let's get on it. So we'll so, even help you with topics just so you come back. I know. Oh, man. What I do you know. need? What do you need? <laughs> so I know. I I really want to capitalize on. Uh, season five of Stranger Things. And so in 2004, I, I'd like to get something out next year, but in 2004, I'd really like to tie this topic into the upside down somehow. I, I will connect you up with, with um, a, a person who's become a friend who's been on the show. Okay. And she basically says, this is Stranger Things. It's about her, her wow. life. So I will, I will make that connection between you both and hopefully that. you can help one another out and she can yeah. fill in some blanks for you. Love um it. But she has her own radio show. She does too. So there you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that might actually okay. work out really well. Um, so why don't you tell everybody how they can get a hold of you, where they can get your book, and just promote, promote, promote. Oh wow, absolutely. So they only come out at night exposing the dark weapon of sleep paralysis. This is only available on lamarzuli.net. Nice. Um, it is not yet on Amazon. We are hoping to get a Kindle version because I do get a lot of people um, from uh, other countries that really want their hands on the book and the shipping hand handling costs are so ridiculous right now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're working on it. But um, until now, it's only available on lamarzuli.net. 
You can find me on vickijoyanderson.com. And my Instagram is vickijoyauthor. There we go, people. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Oh thank my you. god. Oh my yes. god. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Like I, said, I just can't believe how fast it went. I'm, so, I'm watching the time was, going it's already. Because she's really good. I know. It's like, oh. <laughs> oh, you ladies, you were so much fun to talk to. And oh, you know, thank, the, you. thank you for the questions and uh the people in the chat or um, just for just being so kind and interested. And I always love oh. it when there's interaction like that. I love we the have chat. a great audience we, we have do. a really we good audience we're and NFL. you were spectacular thank you yes. oh thank you thanks again we're we're an fm station so the audio um archives tend to do really really well so oh, i will i will send you links to everything thank um, you this way you'll have it as soon as they go up and um like i said get that next book out you have an open door policy with us you were oh, just a awesome. lot of fun to have on Oh, thank you. That gives me incentive to get to work. <laughs> I don't know if you can see all the thank yous. I know. They're, they're all coming out. Oh, oh did I see? Up, oh, up, up, yes. I see the comments now. I there should have the go. comments up all the time. I know. We like to put them up. So. <laughs> thank you, everyone. You're so kind. Thank you so much. Okay, Vicki. Thank you. Thank have you. A, have, have a good, good night. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye now. Well, we have come to the end of another fantastic segment, without a doubt. That was so informative, and she's such a delight. She's just so versed. Definitely welcome back anytime, and we will watch for that next book and uh, bring her back so we all get to enjoy her again. So a big thank you to Vicki Joy Anderson just for being Vicki Joy Anderson. And a uh, big thank you to Folgers Coffee. Big thank you to Dr. Snick, Justin Snicker. Um, again, whichever platform that you are listening to us on, please like, subscribe, join, follow, whatever it takes. We appreciate it. Thank you. Um, you want to contact us? Only two ways to do it is <clears throat> going to be the outer realm contact at gmail.com, the outer realm contact at gmail.com, or go to the outer realm Facebook page and just click on the email button. It makes it really easy and you can just fire us off that email. Um, and you guys want to see a certain you know a certain guest on or a certain topic please again that's the best way to do it now something a little bit different coming to the outer realm we are revamping a lot of things here at the united public radio actually and we are going to be opening up a whole um lineup of daytime shows so if that's something if you guys have a show a podcast radio show uh, show us what you've got. Show us what you can bring to us. We'll tell you what we can bring to you and we can go from there. So please email and uh, let us know what you are all about. But in the meantime, tomorrow night, we get back to business. We're bringing back Joe Montaldo, who hasn't been with us in about a year. He's our friend. He's our producer. He's a station owner. It's going to be a extraterrestrial Q&A. So you have questions about UAPs, UFOs, extraterrestrials, abductions, you name it, tomorrow night is the night. So get yourselves ready and we'll see you in chat and let's all have a good time. This will be a really laid back fun show. Anyway, good night. See you tomorrow. <laughs>